This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the way. We want it men. All right, so we all took a pee break, which was five minutes for us, and it's a week for you guys. So uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody in America. Uh, do they celebrate Thanksgiving elsewhere? Probably not, because it's Canada. American it's thing. in October. Okay, it's but it's not start start of the harvest. Oh God, what that the hell? <laughs> it's like some sort of he <laughs> harvest season. That's what I was trying to go with. Anyways. It's Winter Social Week. Yes, Winter Social Week. Time to party. So we're going to have to record weird next week, too, because Saturday will be full full of uh, Winter Social stuff. Yeah. I Christmas wanted to mention. Beer and beer. Yes, beer. If we can even record, get up early and record on Sunday. We may be hungover. Um, I wanted to mention the 3D printing because I had talked about that. I finally finished my 3D prints of my my short trooper helmet, but it doesn't fit over my head. <laughs> it is too small for my head, so I'm still learning, but I'll figure it out. I got to upscale it, but my print bed is only so small. I have to learn how to split the prints, so it's this is a whole lot of learning. There's a learning curve involved, and I, I'm trying to print a C-3PO head right now <laughs> because when you come in for the winter social, there's a tree right there and that's going to be the gold tree with gold ornaments and for a tree topper i was going to put c-3po's head cool so the first time i printed c-3po's head i kind of had him face down and that created a lot of layer lines where it looked like it almost looked like he had a grinch nose kind of <laughs> like the who's from whoville they kind of have that weird <laughs> nose and so the, yeah there's something weird going on so i printed him face up or face out just like normal and it looks a lot better it was a 19-hour print, but wow. at the last like few minutes, the top of his head didn't print. Oh, geez. So now I have to, but it looks fine. Yeah. Right. But you know, if I were to put it together, it just wouldn't look right. So I gotta redo that whole thing. So it's printing now, but now I have this extra C3PO head. Oh dear. Oh dear. Is 3D <laughs> printing gonna be like the 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 um what was the um the fax machine of the future you know you think about in the 70s the fax machine it took like 12 hours to print yeah maybe <laughs> and you know in another five years they'll have 3d printers where you could print that thing out in like five minutes <laughs> right i mean you got to think like you know nasa wants to use this stuff in space and if you need a tool you need a 3d print a tool you're not going to be on mars waiting a day for the <laughs> tool hours. you got to do something faster <laughs> 
Well, just think about like the Jetsons, you know, you were watching the Jetsons back in the day and they sent somebody something in a car, you know, like tickets to an event that night. And you're just like, what? That's crazy. (laughs) And we're living in the future. (laughs) The future is now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. We, uh, go ahead, Jason. No, we normally, um, make up news on double episodes like this from the previous week. Do you have any news you want to share? Uh, shoot. I was going to say something about Thrawn, but I can't think fast enough. Harrison he, Ford is going to be in solo too. Yes. They're remaking solo two with Harrison Ford as the lead <laughs> 50 years in the future. Yeah. After he's dead, he comes back as a force ghost memory. <laughs> and he goes on a whole new adventure with Chewbacca. Chewbacca's like 700 years old, and then the moon falls on him. We'll see Lumpy in this sequel, too. So, <laughs> Yes. They, they, they casted Shia LaBeouf as Lumpy. And and uh, Darth Maul gets his legs back. Well, <laughs> No, no. What you got to do is the legs come back, and it's got a robot body, and he wants to take over Crimson Sun. <laughs> then Darth Maul needs to fight his legs to see who's going to come out as the victor of Crimson Dawn. Right. (laughs) There's the movie. (laughs) And they're building a a star uh, a Star Wars hotel in Georgia so we can all go tomorrow. In Woodstock. In Woodstock and it'll be free. (laughs) Salacious Crumb is getting his own movie where he just throws fecal matter at people. about these these back-to-back episodes man you guys are deteriorating (laughs) fast (laughs) well i was gonna get a beer but then i looked at the time and it's only 10 45 so i started to grab one earlier as i I grabbed my v8 instead (laughs) (laughs) no your old win (laughs) there you go (laughs) so we're kind of going to do a two for a little bit of a two for today we're going to go over uh, vintage pricing and then jerry has got a very interesting focus. Uh, he focuses on Sears uh, and Sears uh, memorabilia, Sears exclusives and stuff. So we want to get into that with him and uh, you know hear his story and f- how he how he got into it. So uh, let's let's go into some vintage pricing. But Jerry's here again, guys. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Hi. Jerry. <laughs> Welcome back. This is fun. Yeah. Awesome. It's like Family Feud where they do like you know the entire week's episodes in a in a single afternoon. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've got four more after this, so I hope you've got that beer handy. You had no plans today, right? Who, me? Yeah, you. Hanging out with you guys. You're an excuse to not have to clean and get ready for relatives. All right, awesome. (laughs) Well, when your wife yells, you can call us up and yell at us. Uh, She gets, yeah. She won't be home till tomorrow, as long as I get it done. uh, (laughs) She'll be pulling in the driveway and you'll be doing the old school 80s. Oh, shit, she's here. <laughs> so when we last did vintage pricing in early 2021 we looked at the original what 96 figures yeah and we came up with the price if you were going to start in early 2021 with no figures and you're going to buy them off of ebay in relatively good condition not afa graded with a blaster or whatever sidearm that they had it would cost you six thousand three hundred and eighty-two dollars. 
to buy all of those figures. So now I'm going to go through what we did in 2021, early 2021, and compare it to now. I, I've looked at eBay and I had the same parameters where it had to be in relatively good condition. There was a lot of um, Luke Skywalker, you know, on Tatooine, farm boy, whatever you want to call him, um, yellowed. He had yellowed like shirts and stuff. And so I didn't count that as a price. Um, I was a little bit more scientific because I took three or four different auction, the sold prices and made an average of that. So I wasn't doing the guest work, you know, just trying to get an, a rough estimate. This is more of an exact um, median of what I was seeing. So again, you know, if I say, for example, FX7, the medical droid, um, early 2021, we had $12. Now he's $10. There was some for seven. There was some for 15, but on, you know, the average is about $10. So he's gone down in price. Dengar, surprisingly, $12 in early 2021. Now he's 10. Oh. Rebel Commander, for whatever reason, he was $12. Now he's 18. General Maydeen was $15. Now he's 14. Chewbacca was $16. Now he's 20. General Veers or ATAT -AT Commander or ADAT Commander or All Train Attack Transport Commander, whatever you want to say. <laughs> he was 16. Now he's 14. So Right off the bat, you're kind of seeing that things are staying the same, but a, quite a few have kind of dropped in price. The Emperor was staying steady at $17. He hasn't changed at all, no fluctuation. R5D4, now this is interesting. We had him at $18. He's up to 40 now. Jesus. Wow. Which figure? I'm wondering if... What's that? Which figure? R5D4. Oh, wow. He's jumped, and I'm wondering if it's people are wanting to refine what they had, refine if yeah. So like they they want a better sticker or something like that. That that's the thing that I think the R twos, the R fives, and the power droids that have those paper stickers. That's a big variable on those. You know, you look yeah. at the prices that R twos going for. It's hard to find one where you know the sticker's not not yellowing to some degree. Right. And those those spiked a few years back. And and honestly, I haven't seen them come down a whole lot. So I think that yeah. paper is a big variable. Absolutely. Yeah. Stickers, you know, peeling. I mean, they were heavily played with. Mm -hmm. So you got the human oils on it. And oh. or as I guess, as you say down here, oils, human <laughs> oils, Earls. Oils. I heard now, the was glue a... was the biggest contributing factor to the yellowing. Is the act was it the glue on the inside of the sticker? Yeah, um, and I'm sure you know climate, whatever, heat, humidity, humidity. those types of things yeah. all cause variables in it. Was, it all, was that just for a normal uh, one that wasn't for a, a red bar? Right, not red bar. It's just a normal R5. Jeez. Um, Reyes staying steady, $18 at the start, $18 now. Nick two was $18 at the start. Now it's 20. Bosk went down from $19 to 15. So that's another decrease. Han Solo and Hoth outfit was 20. Now he's still 20. Lando's gone down from 20 to 15. Hmm. And that's just and a regular Lando, right? Regular Lando, not the general. Han Solo in his best spin outfit. He's staying steady at 20. It's 20 at the start, 20 now. Same thing with the Ugnaught. Oh, actually, Ugnaught dropped to 15 from 20. 
So the Ugnot was 20 at the start, and now he's 15. 2-1-B, uh, he was 20. He's still 20 today. Lando in his skiff guard disguise was 20. He's not, uh, 19 now. Weekway, this one made me scratch my head. He was 20, and right now he's $9 averaged. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so he's the oh. he's the cheapest of, of what I found this week at $9. By a dollar, but still he's the cheapest. Han Solo in the trench coat with the blaster, he was $20. Now he's 35 It's all about the blaster with that one. Yeah. yeah. Was that a unique one? Like it was solid black. It? it was one of the, the latter ones. It was in solid black, like the like the Stormtrooper blaster. Gotcha. And people want that specific one. I've I've right. seen just the blaster sell for 35 or 40 bucks. Wow. And I wasn't paying attention to, you know, there's the variants in the trench coat. I was just looking for a good condition. There was a couple there, and it didn't seem like it mattered, mm. to be honest, if it had the, the pattern or the no pattern on the trench coat. It's like the smile versus no smile on the Lando. <laughs> yep. Right. It's a subtle, subtle variance in, in the long run. I don't know that it makes that big a difference. It's personal preference more than anything. Uh, Chief Chirpa was 21. He's 25 now. Walrus Man was 22 at the start. He's still 22. Lobot has gone from 22 to 17. So, again, another decrease. The interior, interior. Imperial TIE pilot, he was 22. He's now 15. 8D8 was 22. He's now $11. He's averaging about 11. Clat 2, um, not the skiff, card, skiff guard version, the regular one. He was 22. Now he's 15. The skiff guard Clat 2, and I don't think I did this right. He's the. It didn't matter if he was in the skiff guard outfit or the, the Jabba's palace outfit. He was $15 both ways. Hmm. I would have thought that the soft goods would have caused the regular Clat 2 to have some variation because yeah sometimes no. it's hard to find those the the a lot of the skirts are starting to break down now oh really They're, you know the layers are coming apart or sorting part like the pleather stuff is starting to rot on certain ones yeah not not what from what i saw on ebay oh, everything looked like it was in good condition people were posting near mint i didn't go through with a fine tooth comb and look at each and every I'd just be there all week long looking at the the listings and trying to find out, you know, is this a good, you know, skirt or whatever. But this brings up the the whole conversation with the retro line. Can you because there's a whole segment of the community they want the retro line to do all of the originals to redo all the entire original line, and I'm like, you can still buy the originals for a, you know, a couple bucks more than what, right. You know, a new one. I mean, I get it. You maybe want it on a card or something like that, but yeah, I just don't really see Hasbro going down that path and doing some of the more obscure characters. You know, I think they're going to stick to more of the, the hero characters and the villain characters. Well, yeah, it's interesting. I, bring it, sorry. Go ahead, Glenn. No, no. I think with that retro line, they may finish it off where they're going to do the, the return and then maybe shut it down. Uh, yeah, for the, for the original, I definitely think it's going to be, you know, I think they, what we saw with The Last Jedi and the solo lines that, let's be honest, really killed that five points of articulation during that, you know, sequel trilogy sort of period. Um, I think this is going to fill that void. This is going to be that inexpensive five points of articulation, $10 line. That's what this is turning into. Um, mm -hmm. So you have to, you know, make it have this sort of retro 
feel to it or whatever, but it's still, you know, it's the same price point. A couple right. of interesting points, you know, when I was doing this and thinking about the retro line, because after this, we're going to talk about figures that we wish Kenner had made and never got to and possibly something they could do in the retro line. You know, looking at R2-D2 and C-3PO, making sure that they had tight limbs and the chrome wasn't, you know, fading or, or rubbing off. You know, Hasbro hasn't done an R2-D2 or C-3PO yet in the retro line, and that might be because of the vac metalization. Yeah. They've stepped away from that for Star Wars. I don't see them doing that for Star Wars. Yeah, right. I've wondered about line. that too. I've seen a lot of people asking that question if they were going to do that because obviously you got this environmental thing that they've got tied to the vac metal, but you know they're doing it for Transformers, so I don't. Yeah, I don't see the. Double it doesn't payment. hold water. I think it's more of an expense thing. <laughs> yeah, looking for ways to cut costs. They'll probably they do it do... as like a like a, a, a convention exclusive or something. You know, down the road you get the pair. <clears throat> right. If they do an, an R2D2 in retro, which version? Do they do sensor scope or do you do the pop-up <laughs> lightsaber? Yeah, I think it's going to depend on what movie they're tying it to. Yeah. If it's the Jedi well, line, it'd be if a it's great, Jedi. great chance to bring it back. <clears throat> yeah. And make a mint because that, as that's one see, of the expensive is, ones. Is the expensive one. Yeah. Yeah. Really, of the original line, it is. Even though I really see it as a variant, that's just me. But yeah, that one's that's the big bucks. <clears throat> um, IG eighty eight, the bounty hunter. He was twenty three. He's now twenty five. Which I kind of thought he might jump up because of IG eleven. Yeah, but no, that's not what I saw. Well, he's got two weapons. That's another variable for him. I think. Yep. <clears throat> These had the weapons. So Imperial Commander was twenty four. Now he's twenty nine. Numb. It was 24. He's 25 now. This Death Star Commander or the Star Destroyer Commander was 25. He's now 15. Uh, the 9-num is, uh, that's that's another var variant weapon because he only came with the Black Blaster. He had the Pilot Blaster, like TIE Pilot and Cloud Car Pilot, but it was only in black. So I don't know why they were doing that in Jedi. <laughs> they were experimenting, maybe. I don't know. All right. Um, the Bespin Security Guard I had him at 25, and he's 25 still now. There was Bespin Security Guard 2, and I can't remember which one was which. There's one that's, you know, of color, and I can't remember exactly which one was which again. Um, the second one I had is 32, and he's 25. So it really didn't matter now if it yeah. was the white version or the, the one, the, the black one. Yeah. Um, they were both 25 bucks. Huh. For Lom. This was a bit confusing because obviously Kenner messed that up for Lam and Zuckus. So I went with back then and, and today I went with their actual names. Yeah. So I had to search for Lam to find Zuckus. Yeah. That's how I search it. I mean, it's. Yeah. It's what the old schoolers call him. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So for Lam is 25. Oh. He's still 25. He was the Emperor's Royal Guard was 25. He's now 34 so he's gone up in price and it's probably the soft good you know those things are starting to deteriorate a little yeah. bit too and Bane. fray at the edges <clears throat> hoth rebel soldier was 26 he's now 16 wow gamorian guard was 26 he's now 23 the rebel commander was 26 he's now 17 Squidhead, this one scratched my head uh 26 he's now averaging 60 
That's the that's soft goods, and he's got a, a, a specific color weapon. He has the it's the Bespin design, but it's in gray. Uh, so sometimes that'll cause cause some variables as well. You maybe think it's because he's him showing up in Mandalorian. Could be. The Fortuna's definitely gone up. Well, it's not a squid head, but you had the the, the species. Uh, what it, the, yeah. the species were in Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, but if that's the case, I would expect IG eighty eight to bump up, and he didn't. Hmm. Your boy Greedo, he's he was twenty nine at the start of the year. He's now twenty three. Yeah, Hammerhead was twenty nine. He's now eleven. What? Wow! I should, I should pick up a Hammerhead. I don't think I. Those if were the peg warmers a... back in the day, and they've always been plentiful. I mean, they were early in the line, and they did a carded version for every line. Um, I mean, they right. they even had protos for the ones for for Power of the Force. But yeah, they, those those have always been. You know, I remember back when you could get them like ten bucks a pop all day. Now they're they're starting to to have some variation. Hammerhead, you don't have. The, the paint issues that you do with, say, Walrus Man, you, you can never find a Walrus Man where the toes don't on them, you know? Yep. Right. Yeah, like you're saying, like, the Squid Head was only released in the Return of the Jedi line. Yeah. But Greedo, was, Hammerhead, were... the Power Droids, they were all released. Star Wars, Empire, yeah. Return of the Jedi, so there's just more of them out there. Speaking of the Power Droid, he was 30. We've, he's, he's dropped to 23. R2-D2 with the sensor scope, he was 30. He's now 34. The biker scout was 30. He's now 23. Log Ray, the Ewok medicine man, was 30. He's now 18. Bib Fortuna, like you were just mentioning with the Mandalorian, he was 31. He's now 17. Wow, that's Jeez. weird. Yeah, with, with the belt, with the cape, with the staff and everything, he's, he's dropped in price. Huh. Snaggletooth. He was 34. He's now 25. Blue Snaggletooth. I had him as an average of 202 on eBay. And today he's gone up to 322. Yeah. That one's sort yeah. of his own thing. <laughs> yeah, he's a little bit different. The uh, B-Wing pilot. He was 34. He's dropped to 17. C-3PO, he was 35. He's dropped to 17. Hmm. The Luke Skywalker X-Wing pilot, he was 35. He's dropped to 24, and I try to make pay attention to the Rebel symbol on his head because I know that can, you know, scratch off with yeah. the wear and stuff in the play. So everything I saw seemed like it had all the paint applications still on it. So that's something to, to note with that figure. It's still $24. Admiral Akbar, I had him at 35. He's dropped to 18. Again, you're seeing... I don't know what, what website you're using, Jerry, but from what I saw on eBay, everything seemed to be dropping for the most part. Yeah. Tebow, he stayed strong at 35. He was 35 at the start of the year. The Death Star droid, good chrome and everything. Tight limbs, $36 at the start of the year, 17 now. The same price as C3PO. Huh. The Rancor Keeper, he was 36. He's dropped to 27. The San Tuscan Raider sand person. I didn't pay attention to, you know, hollow holes or anything like that. Just making sure he had his his staff, his cape, everything looked clean and good. He was 37 at the start of the year, 27 now. Huh. The cloud car pilot, the twin, you know, the twin pod pilot guy, the white dude, <laughs> the white shirt and the hat and weird stuff. That was a weird hat. It was just like half a circle weird... on his head. 
Yeah, it was a weird figure to begin with. He was 37 at the start of the year. He's dropped to 20. Wow. I guess it was kind of like scratching my head why he was 37 at the start of the year. You're talking Prune about the cloud car pilot? Yeah, the pilot. Yeah, that one, it's all about the, the communicator. Yeah. The what? The communicator, because he had two two accessories. He had the pilot blaster and the communicator. And that's like, of all of the Star Wars accessories, I think is the smallest one. And yeah, no. I've seen the communicators 30, 40 bucks just for that. Yeah. No. So that one, that's a weird, weird one. Is it really boils down to weapons. Because, I mean, let's be honest. That's where a lot of the money is. On a lot of the figures, it really boils down to what condition the weapon is in because, you know, it's a selling point. Yeah. <clears throat> I should probably at some point look at loose completed figures and compare that to the 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 blaster or whatever accessory they have alone. Yeah. And compare it that way. That'd be interesting side by side for sure. Just be a lot of work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Prune Face, who was only in Return of the Jedi for a minute hot minute he was 37 at the start of the year he's 33 now the jawa he was 38 at the start of the year he's 50 dollars now you can never Darth... have too many jawas though that's the thing no. they're like stormtroopers <laughs> yeah. yep. never have yep. many darth vader i had him at 41 at the start of the year he's dropped to 32 hmm. the stormtrooper again was 41 he's dropped to 35 and then anakin skywalker it was 41 he's dropped to 35 Huh. Wicket, I had him at 42 at the start of the year. He's averaging 51 right now. Wow. Leia and her bounty hunter disguise was 43. I have him at 39. So that's not really a big drop. It was just a couple bucks. Luke Skywalker and his best pin fatigues, you know, good hair. You got out of the blaster and the lightsaber. I'm at 44. He's now 46. Zuckus, I had him at 45. He's 26 right now. Huh. This one was a big drop. Ben Kenobi, you know, with the weapon, you know, the, the lightsaber, it didn't it didn't look like the small filament at the end was broken off or anything like that. He had his cape. I had him at 47 at the start of the year. He's $14 right now on eBay. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and who knows? Maybe people aren't just looking this week, you know, like there's a lot of variables. So this is just the trend that I'm seeing this week. Leia Organa in her Bespin gown was 48. She's gone up to 58. Luke Skywalker in his Hoth battle gear is 51. He's gone to $12. Wow. Han Solo, uh, just regular Han Solo. I didn't pay attention to Big Head, Little Head. He was 52. He's gone down to 26. Hmm. Boba Fett was staying strong. He was 56 at the start of the year, $51 this week. Lumat, I think I messed up. Previously, I think I did Lumat Paplu, but I was just looking at Paplu. Lumat alone is $119. Paplu has gone from $60 to $91. Oh, yeah. I know the bows for for the Lumat and Warrock, those bows are getting out of control. I've seen just the bows for $125. Right, right. Yeah. So at $119, that's a steal for the figure and the bow. Yeah. Leia Organa with the blaster, $61 at the start of the year. I'm seeing her as 45 right now. That's with a good cape with the blaster. So hmm. Yoda, complete Yoda, $68 at the start of the year, $58 now. Luke Skywalker, again, there's a lot of bad Lukes out there. There's a lot of bad lightsabers out there. 
He was 70 at the start of the year. From what I can see, there was just a couple good ones on eBay this week. $54. Wow. R2-D2 with a good clean um, sticker. Good chrome. $73 at the start of the year. 42 now. Imperial Stormtrooper and the uh, Snowtrooper, basically. Hoth Battle Gear. $77 at the start of the, start of the year. $35 now. Hmm. Jedi Luke. We're getting to the end here. Jedi Luke was $81, you know, with the cape. I didn't pay attention, snap on, whatever. Um, $81. He's now $61. Wow. C3PO with the removable limbs was $85. It's now $38. It's with the good looking netting and all that stuff. Really? $85? Yeah. That's crazy. Um, let me go back because I said Leia was $45. That was the Hoth version of Leia. Ah, uh, okay. Regular version of Leia was $105 at the start of the year. Now it's $75. So it's a little bit more than Hoth version. Sorry about that. Ramba, the Ewok, was $110 at the start of the year. He's now $162. And I think I messed up this Ewok too at the start of the year. I think it said Warrock Ramba. Warrock alone is $245. Yeah, that one's one of the ones that's been going up a lot. General Lando was 152 at the start of the year. It's 208. Jeez. Barada was 161 at the start of the year. He's now 115 this week. Imperial um, Luke Skywalker is a stormtrooper. 186 at the start of the year. 355. <laughs> now with the blaster. Now you're getting into the... Now are you... This in is the, the last, last 17. 17. So these, yeah. are, these are all last 17 that we're talking right now. Yeah, Imperial Gunner, 192, uh, 228. Wow. Imperial Dignitary was 200 at the start of the, start of the year. Uh, 131 now, so he's gone down in price. <laughs> Princess Leia in her combat poncho is 202. Uh, she's now down to 88 bucks. Okay, but she's not a last 17. <clears throat> no, yeah. no, she wasn't. Just, she was just on to... A, yeah. When I when I did this, I did from lowest to highest. Uh -huh. So Leia was two oh two, even though she wasn't the last seventeen. And you know, you got your belt, you've got the the poncho. You don't want to make sure your poncho's not frayed. You got the blaster, so all that goes into it. So right, and doesn't her helmet come off on that figure? Yeah, too? the helmet comes off. You you get your scraping of the hair and yeah. stuff. So a lot of variables on that one. Han Solo and the Carbonite. Uh, it was 205 at the start of the year, 264. The A-Wing pilot was 215 at the start of the year. It's 211 now. Amanamon was 268. He went down to 196. Wow. Luke Skywalker in the poncho, which is a last 17, 291. He's now 191. Jeez. EV99 was 361. He's now 356. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yak face was was five ten. He's gone up to five fifty. And then the last one, the most expensive one, R two D two with the pop up lightsaber was six forty three at the start of the year. It's six thirty five. There's really not much variation wow. in the last couple. Wow, Jesus. So at the, yeah. start, just to wrap it up real quick, at the start of the year, if you were to buy all these figures with their blasters and they look in good condition, it would be six thousand three hundred and eighty two dollars. This week, it would cost you $6,262. So there is a small decrease, like you were saying yeah. yesterday, Jerry. People 
don't have the free money from the government anymore. So, <laughs> or the time to be online yeah. looking for it. Hopefully, right. they're going back to work. <laughs> <laughs> going back to work or traveling, one of the two. <laughs> Jeez. So that's the update on vintage loose pricing for the end of the year. Wow. <clears throat> so, so switching gears here, Jerry, you were at the start, like you were collecting way back when you once had a, a first shot Greedo. <laughs> Talk about what it was, what it was like back then collecting. Where did you get your stuff? Where did you see Star Wars? Um, as far as vintage, I mean, obviously we talked about this yesterday as well, about the, the, the good old days of toy runs are pretty much over. When it came to any of the new stuff, you know, it was all about the toy run. Um, but uh, for vintage, yeah, it was either Rebel Scum Forums um, or uh, a guy used to be a uh, Galactic Hunter, Adam May. I don't know if you guys knew Adam. He lived here in Atlanta and had, uh, had a Star Wars collector club late 90s early 2000s it started as a trade federation and, and i think he moved it to uh, a website format um but uh yeah that a lot of stuff through the mail i i always say that sort of a, a theory that i have with with this one of the reasons that we're so big on uh buying and selling stuff these toys through the mail it goes back to the mailways you know you think about when you were a kid waiting for that mail away figure to come in it was it was like for a lot of us you know, our age, that was the first thing you really ever got in the mail that was truly for you. And I, th I think that that has some degree of tie to this, to, you know, us getting mail calls today. We, we love getting the stuff in the mail and tearing the box open. If this is for me and I don't know, it's just, there's, it's that nostalgia thing. It's weird, but. No, I, yeah, I get, I get excited when I see the Amazon box as, as <laughs> yeah. much as I was when I got that Emperor Palpatine in the mail. Yeah, that was it, man. They sent it off for the mailaways. Those were those were huge when when we were kids. They were monumental moments, and now we're some of us are getting five, six, seven packages <laughs> a package yeah. a day, a couple of packages a day. <laughs> we're tracking the packages from China, exactly. Yes. Atlanta today. It's like a drug, man. <laughs> gotta have it but yeah it's you know obviously the prices have changed a lot um you know i i look at prices now and think what we were seeing in the late 90s early 2000s and it's just it's crazy how much things have gone up you know i remember thinking wow 150 bucks for a double telescoping luke that's ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> but my half times have changed now it's 1500 for for that same yeah. figure you know it's it's crazy how the prices have changed but um you know there are still a lot of people in the hobby that you know are still around today some of them are you know bigger names more well-known names but they were just the guys on rebel scum back then you know so but yeah it's 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 been interesting watching the hobby evolve i've i've had two massive sell-offs during all of that i sold off a, a lot of stuff my son was born in 2009 to pay for diapers and then uh <laughs> built some stuff back up and and then 2014 we bought our first house and sold a, a pretty much all my my men on cards at that point um and and added to our down payment you know so but you never you never really stop it it, it evolves it changes i i consider myself to be sort of a soul collector now because you know, it's really about the loose toys for me. I love loose toys. 
um, because of the nostalgia that it brings is just the in its purest form because that's what we played with were the toys you know I do like the packaging uh, but it was like we were saying in the last episode you know I was very he- I'm today I'm hesitant about uh, men on cards because of the the fragility of the bubbles the bubbles are just they're 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 starting to break down they're cracking you're hearing these nightmare stories all the time of people losing stuff in the mail because uh, the bubble cracked or the figure you know the head popped through the top of the bubble and and that it's a little too eh, for me right it's just a little too risky but I am yeah. starting to get into more of the boxed items because it's paper products and you know you don't have to worry so much about that honestly the paper stuff's probably going to be around even after the figures themselves start to break down. So uh, I don't really see it. I, I, I'm, I'm not as hesitant when it comes to like box items and things like that. In, in early days of collecting, um, you were able to get a Greedo, you know, first shot or, or whatever <laughs> through, through magazines. So talk a little bit about what that was like. What magazine was that? Um, um, well, what kind of stuff were offered? What were the prices back then? And what year are we talking yeah, you know, you're talking early, early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, right around, you know, episode one, episode two, that period. Things were sort of on fire, we thought. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I remember seeing the Earth advertisements and you know, like Tomarts and, you know, Lee's action figure guides and stuff like that. We were, that was back when it was like, it was all about the hard copy price guide. And, you know, you get your monthly magazine, all those things are gone now. But um you know, I remember seeing advertisements for the earth and they were one of the early websites that you would go to. And, you know, I remember seeing so many of these things right around that time as <clears throat> people were starting to unearth a lot of the stuff that was, um, had been hidden around, hidden away. It was the kids of former employees who had that their parents brought home from, from the factory or whatever. And those were popping up a lot, you know, Kathy Muir and the folks at the earth, they really, unearthed a lot of this stuff around that time you were seeing you know i remember seeing uh blue snaggletooth first shots for a couple hundred bucks 250 uh you know you could buy a walrus man i bought a walrus man from them that was uh i think i paid two for it um they had um the prototypes of the double telescoping loop sabers still on the sprue the 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 inner filament and the outer filament still on the sprue um Jesus. selling those you, yeah you know it, and they were a, a little more expensive i want to say somewhere around the 500 mark for those and i've seen those in in you know some of the big collectors collections now um but you know back then people just didn't think that much about it um you know my the, the greedo that i had i i i got it from uh one of the guys on rebel scum um and purchased it from him for you know 300 bucks and i sold it for four and thought I sold it to Brock <laughs> for 400 bucks. For 400 bucks and or 4,000? Yeah, I sold it to Brock and I thought I made 100 bucks. I did good. Oh, okay. <laughs> now <laughs> I'm seeing the prices here 3,000, 4,000. Um, so how long yeah, did you have it before you sold it? I had it for three or four years, I guess. Um, I, I sort of got bored with it because it was, with the exception of just some slight variations in the paint color it looked like the, the production version. It just didn't have the, you know, the copyright stamp on the back of the leg or whatever. And, and I had it for a while. Like I say, my son was born. That was around the time that I sold it. Um, uh, or we found out we were pregnant and, and that's, that's, I sold it then. I was like, yeah, I made a hundred bucks. Yes. <laughs> if you would have only held on to it for like yeah, 10 more years. Change. You could have, you could have sent them to college now. Yeah. 
You know, I remember when you could buy men on card, uh, you know, maybe the bubble would be dented or something. Um, and, and you would uh, you get those at Brian's Toys for 120 bucks, you know, mm-hmm. which was, we thought, highway robbery. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it, it, it's crazy how, how it's all changed. Uh, you got, uh, you know, the the last 17 is just obscene what what the prices are doing now um, yeah but it's it's you know I, I i still say COVID has had a big impact but i also think you know that the the prices are starting to top out now um i i've seen different arguments on what's going to happen to it is is the market going to start to die down as we get old and our families are going to be stuck with this stuff and they're not going to know what to do with it. Well, my wife knows she's, she's <laughs> list of instructions, but, um, but yeah, you know, is, is it going to die down? And, and I think the big variable now with the vintage star Wars stuff is that even though it's not official Disney on it, it's sort of unofficial Disney on it at this point. And, you know, you look at the prices of, of Disney collectibles from the 1950s, they just keep going up. They don't yeah. go down, you know? So I don't know. It's hard to say where, where it's going to go from here. And it's weird. Like the latest, uh, AFA, not AFA, Hakes auction, you know, the desk, the, the Millennium Falcon was $42,000 in the box. That's insane. <laughs> well, a Tuscan Raider was what? 7,000. Mm. Or, or maybe it was a blue snaggletooth with 7,000. It was just, it's weird. And it seems like investors are starting to try to get into this thing too. I'll say, I mean, I know people from back when the recession hit. Um, I, I know a couple of folks who made more money off their Star Wars toys than they did off their Wall Street investments. Wow. So right. it, it, the prices have jumped that much. I do wonder now with the inflation that we're going through, if people are trying to move into, I don't, God, I would never consider this to be a stable investment by any <laughs> right. stretch, but is that the sad state of the monetary system that you know we're we're putting our money in star wars toys now like we would put our money in gold in gold (laughs) lego or lego the nostalgia worth more than a dollar (laughs) to piggyback off of what you're saying people that are doing that like going this is my investment you can't do that with the stock you know you can look at somebody and go this I've, I've invested in all this and you could show it off and you could enjoy it for 10 years you can't do that with a stock or a bond yeah yeah, it's uh, my my son and I are about to start getting into coin collecting. I think we've been dabbling in it, and I think this Christmas it's going to become official. Uh, awesome. But I feel like that's at least you know a little more stable. <laughs> Gold Vintage coins. coin collecting or just coin collecting? Yeah, we're we're talking bullion here. <laughs> okay, real coins, not yeah. the power of the force coins. Yeah, the real, <laughs> the real thing. <laughs> Although, you probably you know, collect that too. I, that's one thing. It's funny you mentioned because the power of the force, force coins, we did see them go up a little bit, but that market has not been so volatile. It's not, we've not seen a huge spike. I mean, it's gone up a little bit, but in comparison to some of the other toys, is it more of a specialty niche? I don't know. Um, but, but yeah, the coins have not just gone con- out of control like some of the other toys have. Right. So, you have a Sears focus. What, what is a Sears focus? Why is Sears focus? <laughs> well, it's, it's sort of full explain circle. this to me like I'm a four year old. Okay, <laughs> It's sort of full circle for me. Cause I, um, 
back in 2005, I was in graduate school and was trying to come up with some sort of topic for a master's thesis. And um, I was collecting Star Wars toys at the time. And I was like, boy, it would be great if I could do this on Star Wars toys. But I didn't know how much of an audience I would have in the halls of academia with something like Star Wars toys, even though, you know, you've got the guy the professor, the sociology professor from up in the Midwest, who's on Toys That Made Us now. Apparently he did, but um, I thought, well, is there something I could go into? And um, I um, was looking at things like the blue snaggletooth and I was like, well, Sears is pretty interesting. Um, you know, I was looking at it from more of a regional side of things. So um, I, my personal interest is, outside of Star Wars, another hobby is, uh, is retail history. Um, I've always sort of been interested in the history of retail. And um, so when it came time to do this master's thesis, I thought, well, that'd be a way that I could sort of tie my toy hobby in to this research or whatever. So I focused on uh, the regional study of Sears in the Southeast United States uh, during the late 1800s, early 1900s, and the history of the evolution of mail order and, and retail stores and that kind of thing. And um, I, um, published this, uh, this master's thesis in 2009, I think it was. And uh, we had the, the old Sears distribution center that was here in Atlanta over on Ponce, Ponce de Leon. For us old Atlantans, we called it the Sears building. Um, but that got bought back in about 2010 by a developer called Jamestown. And they um, were looking for the history of the building. And there was a whole chapter of my research that was focusing on the history of that building. They found my research and reached out to me and I became sort of the unofficial historian for the building. And um, they brought me in a lot of the history that they know of the building images all come from my research. They actually sent me uh, on a couple of research assignments to find stuff for, for that project and ended up publishing a book with a photographer who had documented the transition of the building. And uh, so that came out. And so I, I sort of became the Sears guy. And, and um, you know, I, I've always had this thing for the Cantina Adventure set, the Blue Snaggletooth, because when I was a kid, I remember seeing it in the Sears wish book and I always wanted it so much. But I don't know that my dad saw the value in a cardboard play set, even though it was fairly inexpensive. And so uh, I started getting into buying some of the, the Sears uh, exclusives. And um, I, it was a very casual thing until um, I guess it was, uh, it's been a couple of years ago, a uh, guy by the name of Richard Hutchinson uh, is a collector. He, he had, he's a British collector. He actually did an article for, for Fanta Tracks about some of the Sears exclusives. And that really sort of lit a fire under me at that point. I was you know, trying to get just the loose stuff because that's sort of my focus it has always been more about the loose toys and actually being able to interact with them. So, um, when that came out, I, I started looking more at the packaging side of it because, you know, again, it's you don't have that the issues with the plastic bubble deteriorating, cracking and all that. And so I started started getting into more of the packaged items. That's where I'm at now. It's just it's it's like every every focus element of collecting is like this rabbit hole that just keeps sort of branching off and going to other areas. But, yeah, that's been that's been what's been driving me for over the COVID thing, you know, that's really been a primary focus of my collecting. So back in the day, would you walk into Sears and find those cardboard play sets or was that more of a catalog thing you would order? And it, it really was a catalog exclusive. Um, I never did get to shop in the, in the building on Ponce. They'd already closed it. They closed in 89 and the city bought it and 
turned it into City Hall East, and it was a governmental building. You know, I remember parking in their parking deck, going to concerts at Masquerade or going back into the pit back there. That's where you'd go if your car got towed one night because you drank too much in Buckhead. Uh, you would go back there to get your car out of impound. You know, I knew that side of the building, but I never did get to go into the building. They had a, okay. what I understand, had a, um, it was not just a retail store, but then later they had a catalog outlet. And I have talked to people, collectors in, in the Atlanta area said, you could go in there and they, they had, you know, figures, 99 cents and, you know, just bins full of them or whatever. Um, but yeah, I never got to shop in the store, but um, yeah, it, 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 for me, I grew up out in the rural area of South Georgia. And, and so when I was a kid, that catalog was everything, man. It was like, you, you know, the big catalogs, you'd get the fall, the fall catalog. That was where you'd go through in the summertime and would pick out what school clothes you're going to get that fall. And then in the fall, uh, late fall, that's when the mail lady would bring uh, that wish book. And oh, it, it, that was next to Christmas morning was, <laughs> it was the pinnacle. That was the beginning of the holiday season. You know, yeah. it started with the wish book and then it, you, you'd have, you know, your different holiday specials, Charlie Brown and those types of things that start hitting Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas. Of course, we got the holiday special in 78. We also got uh, Kiss Meets Phantom of the Park. That was around the same time. CBS, you know, Friday night special, saw it live. Um, it, it um, you know, Sears catalogs were just a big part of it. I always joke that's back then Santa Claus shopped at Sears. That was <laughs> 90% of what was under the tree came from the Sears catalog. You'd go through and circle and dog ear the pages and all that stuff. Um, you know, I had the pajamas. I've got a picture that I've got one of my avatars of me on a Christmas morning. I have those pale blue uh, Darth Vader pajamas that they had in the Sears catalog, you know, in the previous fall and uh, tearing open, you know, all these uh, Star Wars carded figures and had my little Star World case there on the floor. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was a great time to be a kid. What can you say? Yeah. Hey, Is I there remember, anything? Oh, go ahead, Glenn. No, I, I'm just, you're jogging my memory of Sears because you had the, <laughs> The, the store, you know, you'd order it and you'd get the phone call. Your stuff's here. So you had to go to the yeah. store to pick it up. But yeah, it, it up, was man. fun time, man. That was, the school clothes, you know, tough skins. We were the tough skin generation. Steel belted jeans, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Things were built to last. I mean, hell, yeah. you would grow out of them. I remember I had tough skins and mom would like, you know, try and patch the knees if they'd start wearing or whatever. They'd be like mid-calf before those got retired. <laughs> <laughs> They just say you got your money's worth, man. That was what Sears was all about. They they sold value. They and, and honestly, if you look at the history of the company, they they really nurtured this sort of working class blue collar customer base. But then in the post World War II era is where they really started to branch out. Where you got the Vincent Price art collection and diamonds and fur coats. And a lot of people feel like the company sort of lost touch with their working class roots. But they were always really you know, sort of pushing forward. Um, I always get a lot of questions about how did how did Sears not get in on the internet action sooner and and sort of maintain their relevance. But what a lot of people don't realize is that Sears was actually at the forefront of that um, before America Online in the early '90s. Sears was already piloting a project that they were working on with IBM called Prodigy, and it was like an online service. And uh, they piloted it uh, in a few markets. Atlanta was one of them. And um, they were branching out into things like Discover Card and Allstate Insurance. You know, they were really diversifying the company a lot. But, but yeah, that, that prodigy thing, 
I always say for, for folks who don't understand it, it, Prodigy was sort of the Betamax to AOL's VHS. You know, Sears wow. put too many of their eggs and they spent billions on this platform. And then America Online came out and everybody shifted that direction. I guess it was more user friendly. But by that point, Sears had invested so much in it, they refused to sort of say uncle and walk away from it. And by that point, they, they, they had, were already heading down a bad path. I would say 93 was the big year because 93 was the last year of, of the wish book. Um, they stopped the catalog in 93, but that was also the year that, that Walmart surpassed seals, Sears in, in annual sales that year. So 93 was sort of a, a big monumental moment for that company. And bringing it up to 2020, the Sears by us in uh, what's that mall just closed? Town Center. Town Center yeah. just closed last year. Yeah, does, they, does Sears exist anywhere now? Well, the last, I think it was a week ago today, um, they closed the last store in their home state of Illinois. There's no Sears stores operating in Illinois now. And they also closed the last Sears store in Hawaii, which was on Maui in uh, Kahului at the Kahului Mall. They shut that one. So there's no Sears in Hawaii now. Um, they closed Sears Canada. That was actually happened before the, the Sears announced bankruptcy because my phone was ringing off the hook. I did a bunch of radio interviews with like Sears radio or uh, Can Canadian radio stations asking about Sears because they, they had a big audience there. They had branched out into Mexico and Latin America. They, they were a huge company once upon a time, but uh, they took their eye off the ball, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. I always, you talked, I've interviewed a lot of the old executives from the company and they, they all said the same thing that, Sears had this too big to fail mentality. And, and I know one interview in particular, I talked to a guy, he said that uh, he was a regional director in the Southeast, had gone to a big corporate uh, board meeting up in Chicago. And in his speech had mentioned something about Walmart. And he went back to sit down at the table with all the other bigwigs. And one of the older, you know, pillars of the company kicked him under the table and leaned over and said, I don't want to hear anything else about Walmart. They're no. a discount company and they're not competent. <laughs> yeah. They had their head in the sand. And look yeah. what happened. So, yeah, but it's sort of interesting now watching Amazon because Amazon's doing the same sort of business model. They're following the Sears playbook from a hundred years ago and they started with mail order. Now Amazon's branching out into retail, which is exactly how Sears did it. Wow. So what is a Sears Star Wars focus? Uh, and before you jump into it, like the, the boxes themselves, I know like in the in the 1990s, the early 2000s, they would slap a sticker on it and say Walmart exclusive, Kmart exclusive, whatever it was. Is that identifiable on these boxes or? The way that it worked is really, if you look, there was actually a pattern. So during a movie year, you would have your initial wave of toys would come out and that would be sort of the big mass push um, you know, with, with the first movie, it was the first 12 and then there was a pause. And then in 1979, we get a second push that included, uh, the Cantina aliens, Greedo, Hammerhead, Snaggletooth and Walrus Man. And you got Power Droid, R5D4, uh, Death Star Droid and, uh, Luke X-Wing. That was the second wave of the first movie. That was that tended to be when Sears would get on board as that sort of second half of the year. They'd have the initial push of the movie year, the first half leading up to the movie, they would have a, a wave. And then in the fall, after the, the summer movie 
phenomenon died down, then they would do a second push going into the holiday season and they would always be a new wave of figures. And that was when Sears would, would step in. Um, they did the same thing with Empire Strikes Back. You know, they had the first 10 that came out. And then of course you got number 11 was Yoda, which was almost its own phenomenon. And then, and that happened, I believe in the summer after the movie came out, cause they wanted, it was sort of like the blacked out Ewoks on the return of the Jedi card. You know, they, they wanted to keep Yoda under wraps until after the movie had premiered. And so Yoda came out sort of late summer of 1980, right after the movie. So they could keep that character quiet. But then that fall, um, Sears had their new cardboard playset, which was the, the Cloud City playset, and it had four of the next wave of figures, which was the Han Bespin, Ugnaught, um, Dengar, and Lobot. And then they did the same thing, uh, actually did a third wave of Empire because they were really putting some steam into it by that point. And that's where you get the Rebel Command Center that had the Luke Hoth, the ADAT Commander, and R2 Sensor Scope. So all of those second wave figures would premiere and you could only get it through the Sears channels, whether that be with a playset or sometimes they would also sell them in a separate just white mailer box with the figures bagged in the box. Uh, and there's also a whole section of the collecting community. Um, Ron Salvatore is really into a lot of the mail order history and stuff as well. And uh, he actually has a, a website that has all of the mail order catalog sets in these mailer boxes. They were not on cards, but came in mailer boxes and bag figure uh, form. So yeah, they did that for Rebel Command Center. And then when Return of the Jedi came out, they repurposed the um, land of the, or um, sorry, the droid factory. They redid that as Jabba's dungeon. And they actually released that twice. They did it with a second wave of figures, which was Klaatu, uh, Skiffguard, Nick 2, and uh, 8D8, which was, that was with that one. And then they released that same mold in a little bit color, different color variation, almost as a preview for Power of the Force, because the first three figures that you could get were a man, a man, um, uh, Barada, EB99. and e, uh, EV99. And those are almost like previews for, because those actually came out before they premiered the Power of the Force packaging. It was actually sort of like those two Ewoks, uh, Lumot and Poplu, which were sort of the transition period where they were going from the Return of the Jedi line into the new Power of the Force line. Um, they also did the line art box for the Jabba's playset, but that was about it. That was that was really all of the major ones. They also did the they re-released the Imperial Troop Transport as the Imperial Cruiser, Sands Electronics. Uh, it was just the vehicle and um, had black buttons where the red ones had been on the initial release. But a lot of times it was just like retreads. You know, they would they would try and use it to sort of keep the line fresh during that fall winter period. Um, so that was where most all of those Sears exclusives came from. We have to talk about Blue Snag because that's sort of the, <laughs> the, the pinnacle of Sears yeah, mess ups or, you know, because that's the only way what place you could get it. And yeah. I mean, we all know the story, but you tell it to us as sort of like a Sears guy, because I mean, you, you know, I'm sure you know parts that we don't know. Well, they 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 did the, the cardboard Cantina adventure set, and that was the vehicle to preview the new cantina creatures and and to date i still say they're they're my absolute favorite characters from the original vintage line is 
<clears throat> Kenner took such liberty with the developers and those those you know, vivid day glow colors that they did those characters in. It just you almost want to eat them, you know, those bright, that bright vivids and blues and oranges at the time. It was so 1970s, you know, Brady Bunch kind of feel to it. Yeah, Burrito's you know, got that lime green. Yeah, it, it, it was cool. Uh, it, you know, I always think about uh, Bobby Sharp in uh, Plastic Galaxy. He was talking about how, you know, they were these tertiary characters. They were secondary. They were just background. But of all of the characters that, that they did, I feel like those had a very unique, 1970s Kenner toy look but they had so much play value in that you they you could have your own adventures with those characters they were not you know those those sort of pillars of of the movie they were these background characters and even then we knew and I think today we're seeing sort of an after effect of you see folks like John Favreau and Dave Filoni doing Mandalorian. They grew up playing with those those same toys. Those toys elicited so much imagination out of kids. And I think we're still seeing that today uh, with our generation as adults. Uh, you know, we, we, we've still got that imagination from, from playing with those characters. But um, they put it out, as, like I say, as a vehicle. They did the Canteen Adventure set. And of course, Blue Snag was the only way you could get it was with the adventure set. Although they also um, did a uh, a two pack, and they also did a four pack. So they did a four pack that had all four of the creatures with Blue Snaggletooth. They did a two pack of Snag Blue Snaggletooth and Greedo, and then it was right around the time they did the four pack, they actually transitioned to the Red Snaggletooth there. Um, and there was, I believe, Christmas of '79. If you look at that wish book you could actually see pictures of blue snaggletooth and red, red snaggletooth came in a uh, 21 pack. That was like the biggest box that they did. It was a Christmas of 79. They did a 21 pack mailer box, 21 figures in bags had blue snaggletooth and red snaggletooth in the same box together with, oh. you know, a lot of the other, you know, main characters. Wow. Those they are just trying to fortune. <laughs> yeah, were they just trying sure. to clear inventory? Like, just throw it all in a box and sell it to the That's kids. It. They don't care. That was it. They even at one point were putting proofs of purchases on the sides of the mailer box. So even if you got the discounted, you know, mailer box or preview, whatever, you could still cut out your proofs of purchase because that was that was a hot commodity. That was like currency on the playground when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Those pops, man. Those were proof of purchase. Was oh, that was the keys of the kingdom. <laughs> So out of all those places that, that you've mentioned, do you have everything that you're looking for now? Do you just finish it? Um, I've got all the loose stuff now. Like I say, I'm transitioning into the package versions, which yeah. it sort of softens the blow because when I buy the package version, then I can just sell my loose version and help <laughs> offset some yeah, of the, the cost. Costs. So that part helps, you know. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm currently looking at a couple different things that I want to upgrade and get the package versions because, yeah, that's, you know with with the the carded figures obviously you don't want to take the bubbles off the figures you know and obviously there's this huge movement within the hobby oh you don't open the sealed figures you know um but with the box pieces you know you can you can piece those together and have a really nice set displayed in the box and i like to have them in the um the slide bottom acrylic cases i'm actually waiting for one from ian right now <laughs> for my rebel <laughs> dance center 
so that you can open it and take the box out. Of course, white gloves all the way. <laughs> you take the box out, you open it, you pull it all out. You see, you know, the little mini catalog with all the advertisements and, and the packaging and the inserts and, and all of that stuff. It just, I don't know, man, it's, that's, that's my new crack these days. So, um, love, love that. Uh, yeah. After, after getting the, the, the cloud city place set, I, I really, that was like the pinnacle man. Cause that thing was just, it's in such pristine condition. So yeah, it's, that's my excitement. <laughs> Any variants that collectors should be looking out for with those play sets? Um, really just the blue snaggletooth. That's, you know, the big one. I have noticed that, you know, I think what it is, I know um, Jason Knox uh, up in New Jersey, Jason and I talk, we chat back and forth quite a bit. We met at the first uh, IC convention and um, he, he, he and I, we sort of take the, the budget approach of like sort of piecing things together. I say budget because in the long run, you end up paying more if piecing <laughs> it together. It's just easier, I guess, to wrap your head around the cost when you're buying a component at a time. But, um, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot more people do that than, than we realize. And sometimes you end up like what we were talking about with the, the weapons earlier, where you end up where the weapon costs more than the, the loose complete figure does in yeah. some cases, um, you know, where you start seeing the right now thing is like inserts and the mailer cartons, those white little boxes or brown boxes that they shipped in. That's where the price is at. You know, um, I've, I've seen the, the Cloud City playset, just the white mailer box with no figures in the bags or anything just the box uh well narayan sent me a picture when you guys were in cincinnati somebody was asking 350 for just the box just the white mailer box um i saw one sell on deal or no deal i came close to getting it i think i topped out at 275 and the winning bid went 280 so 280 bucks and that's selling (laughs) for just the white mailer boxes same thing you know with the inserts the packaging inserts which Let's be honest, you rarely see those. I don't understand why the prices, but it's that completest thing with people. Everything has to be just all original and perfect. So, but um, yeah, I mean, as far as variants of stuff, like I say, just really the blue snaggletooth. Uh, I did notice that the the line art box, it's corrugated box as opposed to the carton box, like a lot of the Star Wars toys are packaged in. Uh, Sears did a white corrugated box with, uh, two color black and green for the Jabba playset, the Jabba the Hutt playset with the throne. Um, those are actually starting to fetch quite a bit of money. It's the same stuff inside. It's the exact same insert catalog, all the toys, everything's packaged the same in the box, but just the box itself um, is pulling a good bit. Um, but yeah, Blue Snag's where it's at, man. He, he's, yeah. he's iconic. Like Glenn said, it's, it's, he's synonymous with Sears Star Wars. Which is sort of interesting, as I say, that's what really sparked my whole push into my my research on Sears was was that that figure because just I don't know those Cantina figures, man. It was such a big part of my childhood, and you guys know I actually have a, a vintage Greedo action figure tattooed on the back of my legs. So <laughs> that was like one of my favorite toys when I was a kid. I loved it. Mm-hmm. He, he's the epitome of of when you would think Martian. That that bright green head, man. It's just that's that's my image in my head when you say Martian. That's what I think of. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you found anything cool at Sears, but if you were doing it all through a catalog, there was no real. Yeah, most everything you know, we bought was catalog. I mean, I I did have like the Star World case, 
you know, I've been sort of buying some of the, the Sears specifically uh, branded stuff. Uh, I got one of the uh, star star figure action with the, the cheesy seventies print logo. I, I tell you one of the things I'm looking at and there's, there's actually, maybe I shouldn't say where I've seen it, but there's one for a decent price on online. And uh, it's the, um, it was a plastic covered play set that was marketed in the, I think it was the 79 catalog might've been in 78 as well called the star fortress. And it had a little snap and you open it and it would sort of open up like a pop-up book and would be these like play environments for space action figures. Um, I just remember that thing from the catalog. I always wanted one and, and I've seen one and I found one online. It's it complete. Everything's in great shape. There's no tears or any damage or anything. And I'm, I'm, that might be one of my next big purchases. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It's just the nostalgia. I, I'm, a, I'm a nostalgia junkie. I am. I, right. Music, yeah. movies, you name it. It's always the 80s for me. So. Yeah. But yeah, I remember when, because um, that, that East Ponce building, uh, when the, because Atlanta owned it, and they when they were selling it and selling off all their crap that oh, they had junk. inside of it. Huh? <laughs> All their junk, yeah. It was All the their junk, yeah. I remember. With I just went in there because I'm like, it's the only time I'm be able to see this cool building before they yeah. do whatever they're gonna do with it. It was it was kind of cool to, to go in there, but yeah, they were selling desks and chairs and tables, and it just it you, you knew it was nothing to what it, it should you know once was, but it was just cool. Yeah. And I came across uh, I also, a lot of cool stuff. I got I got some artifacts out of the building, some old blueprint, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, I just you know I think most Atlanta was getting ready for them to just bulldoze the thing. Mm-hmm. so there was um they had the dry cleaners all the chemicals from all those years of the dry cleaners leached underneath the building and if you don't know the building was built on these old springs that's where the name Ponce de Leon came from is there were these springs that used to come out of the side of the railroad and went underneath the building got in underneath the building and polluted those underground springs and so it was like this environmental mess underneath the building and when this developer got wind of that, he, it was like a hot potato. He couldn't get it off his hands fast enough. So that's when the other developer came in and bought it. But it was a different time back then. You could just pollute whatever the hell you wanted. <laughs> exactly. Especially if you were a major employer like Sears. Right. What do we do with this ex- extra ammonia, sir? Put it in the drinking water. <laughs> Dump it down the drain. It'll be fine. <laughs> Feed it to the fish. They'll be fine. <laughs> We have this mercury. Give it to the cows. Yeah. Well, <laughs> speaking of mercury, I remember like as a kid, we did, I was in Boy Scouts and we were in like the local, you know, uh, just this break room of this building. It, this local company would let us use their break room. They have like little vials of mercury sitting on the table so you could play with yeah. them. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> and, and everybody's sir, like, keep... leave that alone. Don't mess with that. That's poison. And I'm like, I want to play with it. What, what's it doing? In we Syracuse, need it absorbed yeah. through my skin. <laughs> in Syracuse, there was a, a, a chemical company right off the side of Onondaga Lake, which is like a giant, beautiful lake in the middle of Syracuse. And the company was just dumping mercury into the water. And there's like a about a foot of soot and sediment that was mercury. And they Honeywell came in and they bought the company and they had to take care of the cleanup operation. And they were sifting through and pulling out all that stuff. But, I mean, it's a mess. that was like a set down 17th street atlantic station that used to be atlantic steel Mm -hmm. when they started that development they took 18 inches of soil off of that entire property yeah and relocated it because it was all polluted from all those years of the steel mill there wow 
Yeah. You don't think about those things, man. No. <laughs> we have no idea. <laughs> and you we wonder why you're... back then. That's why we didn't yeah. get so sick. <laughs> right. No. Well, shoot, I remember my, my grandfather, you know, you used to do oil and you had a ditch. You'd roll the car over the ditch, get in the ditch, pop it, dump it in there. <laughs> dump it, dump it right on the ground. Yeah. I, I saw it's like a 1950s magazine article. It's like a popular mechanics or something. It was like a place to dump your your motor oil. You you dig a three foot hole in the background with the backyard with like a hole diggers and put gravel in it. <laughs> you just pour it down the hole. <laughs> the earthworms will take care of it. Yes. <laughs> they got <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll process all that. <laughs> wow. Those were yeah. the days. You could do whatever right. the hell you wanted. <laughs> I tell my students there was a river in Ohio in the 1970s caught on fire. The water <laughs> was burning. <laughs> God. Yeah. Uh, you know, pollution. What do you mean pollution? There's such thing. Pollution's made up of liberal tears. <laughs> <laughs> God. <laughs> well, thank you for being on the show, Jerry. That yeah, was incredible. Love learning. How it happens. <laughs> I love learning about that seer stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know you'll do your magic with the editing. That's where it all comes together. Is the editing? Editing? Well, What's that? <laughs> Glenn doesn't do editing anymore. I don't. I, I've gotten. When we first started, I'd spend hours editing like any little thing, and now it's like, oh, we made a mistake. I write it down, and everything else stays in. There's been a couple times where I tell Glenn, cut that out. And then I hear the podcast and I'm telling Glenn, cut that out. And he doesn't cut it out. Oops. I cut out the important stuff that you're like telling me secrets. Unless I've let some secrets out, then that's my bad. But I did. No, nothing like that. It's when I like mess up or I burp and I'll be like, cut that out. You keep it in. I did cut out the last part. you do the editing? Yes. Okay. I do the video editing. mind-numbing, man. It, I've it done a, a lot of interviews and stuff like oral interviews. You have to like record it on tape and yeah. Cleaning that crap up is just so hard. Yeah. Do you plan on like writing a book about Sears? I mean, you've got all this knowledge and you've. I would. The problem is, is that um, the archives, the archives, which is where most of the material is the primary source material. Um, they shut down the archives in 20. 13 they lay they had one archivist she was in charge of all the sears archives and all the kmart archives because they'd bought each other out by yeah. that point uh, they had this one woman arlene may was her name sweetest lady she'd worked with them for years and they laid her off in 2013 and basically they've got just warehouses on that campus in hoffman estates illinois and there's no way to access it it's all just sitting in there and there's no facilitator to be able to access the material. I keep hoping that they'll um, bequeath those to University of Chicago because they have all the Julius Rosenwald papers, which uh, Rosenwald was the, he was the guy that took over when, when Richard Sears left. He was the second, he was sort of the philanthropist, yeah. progressivist. He was the guy who worked with Booker T. Washington and started the Rosenwald schools and all that stuff. That's a whole other chapter of their history, but University of Chicago has all of his archives and I keep thinking maybe Sears will donate their archives, but even if they do that, they'll have to recatalog everything. And you're talking their archive warehouse looks like from the scene in Raiders of the Lost. Yeah. 
<laughs> you're not going to archive and recatalog all that stuff very quickly. And that's the thing is right now the iron's hot. People are interested in Sears because they know that it's bankrupt and they're going out of business out. and all, but you can't access the stuff. So, mm. I mean, I've, I've done two trips up there and, and worked in their archives and, you know, gone through their, they have a whole library of first print um, catalogs, all their catalogs. You can go in any year and pull it and go to the catalog room and look at it. I mean, it's really cool. Um, and I'd love to do something. I, I thought about years ago doing my doctorate, but I'm getting too old for that shit. So <laughs> um, just do, just do, do a book, but yeah, just it's do a book it, on the history of Sears. I mean, there's definitely been plenty of them done. Um, and there's, oh, some, there? oh yeah, there was one that was done in the, in the mid 1950s when they were really at their pinnacle uh, called catalogs encounters. And that was the Bible for years and years until, um, Interestingly enough, the guy who is the CEO for, oh, geez, what's the online reader platform? Um, geez, what's that company? Hmm. Guy's name's Katz. Uh, is it William Cat? No, it's not William. That's the, that's the greatest American hero. Um, <laughs> I can't think of the guy's name. Clark um, Kent. <laughs> he's the guy. Damn it. What is Amazon's uh, uh, downloading? Audible? downloadable book platform no, he was the, the ceo for that company the, the thing with did, the reader that like that looks yeah. like an ipad yeah yeah the, he he was he did a, another big book Kindle. there you the, go the big store ding, in ding, the ding. 1980s and um that's been the last big overview book that's been done but there's so many avenues of that company like i say there towards the end they were breaking off into so many things they were doing Discover Card, they started that. They started uh, Allstate Insurance. They started that Prodigy thing, which was the predecessor to AOL. Um, I mean, they were they were doing so much stuff, you know. And then you've got a whole branch of Sears history is just the Sears homes that you could buy from the catalog. Oh, my there God, I forgot about that. Just in that. Um, there's a town down near St. Petersburg, the entire town is um is sears houses uh you know they were bought in a catalog they sent them to a rail station they took a truck and drove it from the rail station to an empty lot and built it like freaking erector set oh. i mean they they sold everything you know um music there's a whole element of sears history of music because you look at your oldest your earliest blues musician johnson got his first guitar from sears yep. you know you they early radio they were one of the originators of radio in the in the mid 1920s they had their own radio station in chicago wls for world's largest store country music a lot of people don't know this country music basically started in the tower of that building in atlanta before nashville became the country music capital that tower was where they were pulling all the hillbilly musicians from this part of the country they would come to that tower and do live broadcasts of this lunchtime show they used to do in the 20s called uh, Radio Farmers Democ Democracy. It was Radio RFD, and they would do a lunchtime thing, and it was like help, you know, helpful hints around the farm, and they'd play freaking hillbilly music, and it all came out of that tower. And then eventually it was a guy that worked with the National Barn Dance, which was their hillbilly music show, relocated to Nashville and that's how Nashville became the country music capital. Wow. So, I mean, there's so many avenues of Sears history people don't even realize. FFA, 
and uh, 4-H, that was all Sears. They helped start all of those school organizations, you know, they helped, I mean, they did so much stuff. So yeah, there's, there's a lot, it would be hard to do a single book and do really any of it justice. I mean, it would have to be a two volume thing <laughs> to yeah. get all in there. But yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe one day we'll see. Maybe what in happens. your retirement. Yeah. What's that? Maybe in your retirement. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry's yeah, going to be like, F that. <laughs> I'm retired. Forget that. I'm done. Yeah. I'm going yeah, to Disney well, World I'm, and. Yeah. With my line of work, man, no doubt. And it's like, if I can manage to survive to 30 years of service in, in a classroom and don't manage to die in front of that classroom um, and can live to retirement. Yeah. Um, I won't look back. I'm going to have a cocktail in my hand by noon every day. And like we were saying yesterday, I'm going to pretty well say whatever the fuck I want. (laughs) (laughs) I earned that right. (laughs) But yeah, we'll see one day. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. And like you said, I know some of it got long-winded in places that you're not going to offend me or anything if you edit some of that stuff out. Because, yeah, I, I can freaking wax poetic about this shit till the cows come home. <laughs> so uh, if you edit any of that stuff out, it's not going to offend me. I've, oh. I've, I, did, I did 10 years in food service industry, man. You, there's nothing you can do to hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I say it was all preparation for public education. Yeah, it's nothing a kid can say that's going to hurt my feelings today because – I've had it all hurled at me before. <laughs> awesome. That was fun, guys. I enjoyed yeah. it. Thanks for having me on, man. Thanks Anything for coming else, on. Glenn? No, I'm good, man. Me too. I've all kept right. you guys away from your it's 12 15 and, and day drinking started 15 minutes ago. So yes. <laughs> but it doesn't seem like it. It's been fun. Seriously, yeah, just sitting awesome. here chat. Yeah. Well, thanks. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, guys, I'm gonna go do some cleaning. Y'all have a good afternoon. You do the same, man. This, this is the way. way. <laughs> See you later. Later.